We began coming to Northside in January of 2005. A few years ago, they had the ACT initiative. They passed out a card to take home and pray about on, on you know, some extra giving that they were asking for for that initiative. Uh, we took that card home and hung it on our refrigerator. And you know, we had it probably up there for, I don't know, five or six weeks or something like that. And I would pray about it daily. Um, and I know Tammy was praying about it daily. We were praying separate. We decided one night on a Sunday night, I said, okay, we need to go ahead and get this done and put in the extra money on our online giving. So we prayed about it that Sunday night. I was kind of expecting some conflict because I knew my number was a stretch. <laughs> so uh, what was cool was we sat down, we prayed about it, and then when we talked about it, the number that God gave her was exact the exact number that God gave me. This was at a time where we had just moved into a bigger house and we had a new car. We started thinking about retirement. He does the finances and I asked him, are you sure we're gonna be able to do this? He says, I'm not sure, but this is what God's calling us to do. So we need to step out in faith and do this. So I went to work that Monday morning. I went online and, and increased our giving, our weekly giving. Um, and I guess it was probably 20 minutes or so past and my boss called me uh, and told me that he, I was getting a bonus. And the bonus covered uh, the amount that we gave. He called me at work to tell me that and I just sat at my desk and cried because I was knew God's hand was in it the whole way and it's like all we needed to do was trust. I know not all giving is going to end, you know, with, with God blessing you with a bonus to cover that giving. And for setting the table, we've got the card hanging on the refrigerator. We've already prayed about it. We've already filled it out. And we're stretching again. You know, we're not counting on getting another bonus. Um, but I, I think you just have to have the faith. Um, you know, God's going to take what little it is seems like or, or if it's a lot, and He's going to multiply it and going to make it work. After you give that money for a few weeks, you know, you don't miss it. Uh, and you make ends meet without it. We knew that we came to Northside as two very broken people, and we know how God has moved in our lives, and we know that there are so many more broken people out there that haven't been reached yet, and we want others to be able to experience what we've experienced here, and we know that we're out of room. The church needs to grow so we can have room for new people to come to the table with us. Man, don't you just love small stories like that? Where God is just saying, you know what? And this, someone asked me, like, well, how much do you want me to give? I'm like, that's between you and Jesus, my man. I don't have a number for you. This is why what we said all along is this. We are asking that 100% of us would simply do this one thing. Put Jesus first. Just say, Jesus, what are you calling me to do? How are you calling me to participate? Matter of fact, this is gonna be a one fund account over the next two years, which means this, your normal week, weekly giving or bi-weekly giving or however you give is gonna go towards setting the table. We're saying, God, we're stretching. We wanna do more. We wanna reach more people for you because that is what you've done for me. And that's what we want you to do just this week is simply pray this, God, I wanna put you first and I wanna step out in obedience to what you have for me. And this is the joy that we get to be a, be a part of the church and we get to all step in this together next weekend. So be praying over your car, be praying over this. And this whole idea of setting the table, it comes from Luke chapter 14, where Jesus tells the parable, the great banquet, where what he's saying is this, he's sharing the story of how our heavenly father has sent Jesus. And I love what it says in verse 17 of Luke chapter 14, it says this, Jesus says that the master told his servant, talking about Jesus, and he sent him and he said this, go tell everybody, come because everything is now ready. 
That everything that we need in life, all that we need is now ready in Jesus. Matter of fact, this is why we gave away on the opening weekend our Setting the Table journal. Which, by the way, if you didn't even start it, hey, this week is a great week to start. All right? No guilt. You know, if you've missed a couple of days, don't worry. I have to as well. I've traveled a little bit this week. I'm a few days behind. All right? This is where we confess our sins to one another. All right? I've got some catching up to do. But here's the deal. What we do is this. We're saying, God, everything is now ready in you. And we're going to put you first before all things. And this is the beauty about setting the table. You know, for us, sometimes when we think about a table and we think about food, it's like, let's go home and eat so we can get out of here and get on with our life. And what we find about the table of Jesus is this. He's going, don't just come and, and kind of get a little bit of Jesus and then go do your own thing. What we're finding is this. All of life is lived at the table with Jesus. All of life. Our identity, who we are, and what we're going to be looking at today is this. Sometimes we think when we come to the table, it's only just to get this, you know, grace to forgive us from our past. And it is at the table of Jesus, meaning this relationship with him. But there's more than just a relationship of forgiveness at the table. What we're going to find is this, that our future is found at the table with Jesus, you may want to write this down. That's just kind of the big idea today, that when we come to the table with Jesus, it's not just that we find forgiveness. At the table with Jesus, we find our future. I don't know about you, but today, because of social media, I'm finding it, it is way easier for me to feel inadequate and insignificant compared to other people. Anybody else there? I mean, you know, sometimes, I heard a pastor say it best this one way. He said, isn't it interesting when it comes to social media, we always compare our failures to everybody else's highlight reel. We always feel like a failure and we go, man, my kids, they don't listen to me. They don't, and you'll go on social media and you're like, look at that kid. They're the all-star again, huh? My kid didn't even make the team. All right, you know? You know, then we begin to look at other stuff. We go, wow, look at them. They got employee of the year, right? And oh man, look at this. And we begin to look at all these things and we compare everything else. And this is what begins to happen. We feel so inadequate. Sometimes we feel so insignificant. And this is why we've got to come to the table because Jesus says, I have a future for you, whether you believe you have a future future for you or not. This is why we need him because oftentimes here's what happens. We become way more aware of everybody else's success than the future that Jesus has for us. Matter of fact, let's just let's dialogue a little bit. I'll just kind of prove my point here real quick. I'm going to throw out some names of people who changed their names, and you're going to know who they are because we're very aware of other people's successes, all right? So if the coffee didn't work, here we go, all right? We're going to keep awake right here, ready? Now name this person when they changed their name. This was, this was their first name, Lou Alcinder. Who'd that become? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Cassius Clay. Muhammad Ali, right? This is another one, Thomas Mapather IV. Tom Cruise, he doesn't own Louisville, but we recognize him, all right? He won't call out his roots, but that was Tom Cruise. Here's another name, Karen Johnson. Anybody? One of us, Whoopi Goldberg, right? Come on now. Terry Jean Belays, who's that? One person in the back. Oh, Hulk Hogan. Yes, Hulk Hogan, right? Somebody knew that. Here's another person, Curtis Jackson. 50 Cent, right? Here's another one, I didn't realize this. Reginald Dwight. Elton John. Elton John. You need to go on Family Feud. <laughs> I'm on your team. You're gonna go win $25,000. Now here's what happens, we recognize these people's names and we know the legacies that come with their name. Matter of fact, there's people who become so famous, they only go by one name, they don't even need two names, right? 
Right? We, we, we hear words like this, sting. Sting what? That's it. <laughs> sting. But we hear words like Bono, Beyonce, Oprah, Prince, Geraldo, Cher, Tiger, Adele, Madonna. Most recently, we just hear this one word, Kobe. And there's a legacy that comes up. There's a legacy and just one name we hear and we know the success of everybody else. Matter of fact, there's people who become so famous that they get the word the in front of it. Right? Matter of fact, I want to show you just this names. Here's how aware this is. Here, the Rock. Who's the Rock? Dwayne Johnson. The Duke. John Wayne. The Terminator. The King. Come on, y'all. Come on, man. Come on. That's why you're in church today. Oh, I saw a pastor do that. I'm like, I got to use that. That is good. That ain't mine. That's somebody else's. But I'm telling you, man, we are so aware of everybody else's success. We know their names, we know their one name, we know this stuff, and, we, and we'll begin to go, man, I'm never like that. And then what begins is we feel inadequate, insignificant. Matter of fact, I found this fascinating, uh, the, the movie that won the Sundance Film of the Year this last year in 2019, uh, it's based on a true story called The Hidden Life. Uh, this was amazing, this story, it's based on a true story of an Austrian farmer who when the Nazis came in and took over Austria, this was the whole thing. You had to fight for the Nazis. And here with his family as a farmer, he said, I can't do it. I can't fight for the Nazi regime. And he wouldn't go after it. And the whole story is about finding this tension of being placed in jail for not fighting for the Nazis, but believing I can't follow and all this other stuff. And what happens is this, while he's in jail, a judge comes to him and he says this phrase. And I find this fascinating for us because we battle with this idea that we are insignificant in this world. And listen what it says. This is what the judge told this man. He said, do you imagine that anything you do will change the course of this war? You're one person. That anyone outside of this court will ever hear of you? No one will be changed. And the world will go on as before and you'll vanish. That's what the judge told this Austrian farmer. And isn't it fascinating that it's the Nazi regime that vanished, and here we are in 2020 with a film about this farmer who said, even though I may feel and look insignificant, what God is doing in my life is not insignificant. See, this is why we've got to come to the table, because this is when we have our relationship and our identity in Jesus. What happens is this. We may feel insignificant and inadequate compared to other people's legacies, but Jesus is saying, I'm not asking you to compare yourself to their legacy. I'm not asking you to even live up to other people's popularity. That is all the stuff and all the lies of everything else. All I'm asking you to do is this, to come to the table, because when we are at the table, we find our future. We are forgiven from our past, but we find our future. Matter of fact, that's where we're going today in John chapter 21. Because Peter, one of the apostles, one of the followers of Jesus, had wrecked his life. He denied Christ. Everything was messed up. He didn't think he had another shot. And Jesus says this, Peter, I want to meet with you at the table. 
And what happens and what we're going to find out today is this. Jesus is not only going to restore Peter and say, I forgive you. What he's going to give Peter is this. He's going to give Peter his future. See, this is why we got to come to the table. Jesus has more for you than you even have for yourself. He has way bigger plans. He has way bigger things for you and I to step into. And he's going, quit comparing yourself to everybody else. Quit feeling insignificant and begin to meet with me. Begin to follow me because at the table we find restoration. We find redemption. We find direction. Matter of fact, you may want to write this down. Too often times this is what's happening. We're looking to leave a legacy. We're looking to leave something about us or our popularity when Jesus says, I'm waiting for you to live your legacy. I'm waiting for you to live what I have for you. Matter of fact, what I found, someone said this about legacy. Here's the hard part about our legacy. You and I don't get to control our legacy because legacy is what others say about us and you don't get to control that. And oftentimes we're so worried and consumed about leaving a legacy and Jesus says, forget that and start following me. Start following into what I have for you. And what we're going to find today is this, Jesus wants to move us into our future, but what we're going to find is this, Jesus uses three questions to move Peter into his future. And he's going to use three questions for you and I today to help move us into our futures. If you feel stuck, if you feel insignificant and adequate, Jesus is saying, I have more for you. And the reason why he asks questions of Peter is this, because he's always in a relationship with us. Jesus never just shows up and you better do this and you better do this and you better do it by Tuesday or else. It's not how Jesus works. Jesus says, I'm here to walk with you. I'm here to help you. I'm here to guide you. I'm here to change everything about who you are. Matter of fact, this is what we see going on in Peter's life. You know, when you've denied Christ and you feel like you don't have a future, what do you do? You go fishing. This is where we find Peter in John chapter 21. Here's this guy who was one of Jesus' disciples, one of his rock-solid leaders, and he's failed, and he knows it, and he's ashamed, and he's kind of running away. Jesus said, I want you to go and be a fisher of men. I want you to go and lead people to me. And what he finds is this in John chapter 21, verse 3. He and his buddies, he says this. He goes, hey, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, well, hey, we'll go with you. And so they went out, and they got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. You ever done a hobby only to find yourself more angry later on? This is what I feel like every time I play golf. This is going to be relaxing. And then I paid money to become more mad. I'm like, what am I doing, right? Peter, hey, I'm going to go fishing. Catches nothing. Says verse 4, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And in verse 5, it says, he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. Can you imagine that conversation on the boat? Who is this stranger asking us about fish? No, we don't. Thanks for asking. Verse 6. Well, then Jesus said, well, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. You ever had somebody tell you what to do and you don't know who they are? Who are you again? Why are you giving me help? Hey, throw your net on the right side. Yeah, I've been doing this all night. But when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. It says this in verse 7, Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, It is the Lord. What they knew in that moment was this. 
Here we are fishing, running away from our calling, running away from our future, and Jesus has stepped into our future. Jesus has stepped in and he's beginning to say, hey, I had a new place for you to go. And they begin to run to the beach to meet Jesus. And in verse 10, it said, Jesus said to them, hey, bring some of the fish you just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Everybody's like, how'd they know they had 153? I'm going, I'm telling you what, if I catch 153 fish, I'm remembering that. And I'm going to tell everybody about it, right? But even with so many, the nets weren't torn. And Jesus said to them, we got to check this out. Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. The first question here that Jesus asked Peter to begin to unlock his future and lead him into the future, it's this, and we got to pay attention. He asked this question, have you any fish? What he's saying to Peter is this, how's life going? How's life going? Peter's response, not good. Put your nets on the right side. Put your nets on the right side. Here's what he's telling Peter in this. You may want to write this down. If you want to begin to step into the future that Jesus has for you, it's this. This is maybe what's keeping you from experiencing Jesus is this. We try to earn our legacy instead of receiving our legacy from Jesus. Peter's going to go, I'm just going to go create my life. I'm going to go back to what I knew. That was the family business. Fishing was it. I was following Jesus. Now I'm going to leave following Jesus. I'm just going to go back to the life I had. And oftentimes this is what wrecks us. We know of Jesus, but we're not following Jesus. We know of him. And he says, hey, Peter, put your net on the right side. You are fishing on the wrong side of the boat. You are going in the wrong direction. This is why when we talk about our values here, when we say we want to connect unconnected people to Jesus Christ, what we're saying is this. We want to connect you to Christ's community and calling because this is what we know. When you connect with Christ, your future will change. When you begin to step into what he has, he'll begin to go, okay, put the net, begin to invest your life into where I call you. And did you notice the words that Jesus told him? He goes, put your net on the right side of the boat. And then he says this, and you will catch fish. And when you and I begin to walk in obedience, when you and I begin to step into what Jesus has, he goes, you will experience a different future. You will experience all that I have for you. And this is what I love. For some of us are going, Nate, I love that idea, but how do I begin to experience it? This is what we need to understand when Jesus says this. This is why we got to listen so well to him. What did he tell Peter when he came ashore? Come and have breakfast. Let me ask this question of you today. Do you believe that Jesus would even want to sit down and have a meal with you? See, oftentimes this is, my own admission. When there's guilt in my life and there's shame in my life, I want to avoid Jesus and I'm avoiding Jesus even though I know that he knows what I've done and I know that he knows, but I want to avoid the fact that he knows. Did you follow that, right? You know, and, and this is what we do. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just not, and, and Jesus says this, you want your future to change? Come and sit down and have breakfast with me. You have a savior who created the world that wants to sit down and meet with you, not to berate you, but to love you. Because this is what we know. That's how we move forward, isn't it? 
when people take the time to care about us, when people take the time to walk with us. Matter of fact, this week, I got to meet up with one of my mentors. We meet about every six months and we meet in Indianapolis about halfway, he lives in Illinois, you know, and we meet there and we always meet at P.F. Chang's and we go crazy on some of that, you know, P.F. Chang's food, man, it's amazing. We ended up meeting for five hours straight. We, they kicked us out, right? We had to go next door and kept meeting. I had a to-go box. We met for so long that after we got done meeting, I'm like, I got in the car. I'm like, I'm hungry again. Literally just opened the to-go box, finished the to-go box, drove back home. But there was something powerful about just sitting around the table with one of my buddies, speaking life into one another, asking the hard questions of one another. And man, five hours blew by. And see, this is why we're so going, hey man, get in the journal. And even when the series is over, I wanna invite you to buy a journal, to buy a Bible, bring it with you, because God is saying, I wanna meet with you every day in every moment of your life, because we have a savior of the world that says to you and I, come and have breakfast because I have time for you. I have time for you. Yeah, but Jesus, I'm a failure. So was Peter. He was fishing because he was avoiding Jesus. And Jesus says, you may avoid me. I'm not avoiding you. I'm coming after you because I want to give you your future. Listen to what he says in verse 15. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, here he is. He's sitting there. He's talking with them. He had all the fish, 153 fish, unbelievable movement of God. And it said, when he had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? And what he was talking about is this. I'm going to get to it here in a second. He's talking about when he made a promise that he was going to be better than all the other disciples. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Then Jesus said, if you love me, feed my lambs. Invest in my people. Then he goes on to say this again. Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And then it said Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Then feed my sheep. Do you hear Jesus calling Peter into his future? Do you love me? I know you failed. Jesus didn't show up saying this. Do you love me? Yes. Then you better not do this again, young man. Peter, do you love me? Yeah. Feed my sheep. Invest your life into others. Give your life away. I'm calling you into the future. You may feel like a failure. I'm calling you into your future. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, check this out, follow me. Follow me. And here's what all, this is why he asked this question. Do you love me more than these? This is the second question. First is, have you any fish? Second question is this, do you love me more than these? And here's why, is because oftentimes this is what keeps us from the future is we let our past overwhelm our future. When you and I just live in our past, we don't get to live in the future that God has for us. This is why he asked Peter, do you love me more than these? And he, what he's pointing back to is he's pointing back to Matthew 26, verse 33, where Peter over-promised and under-delivered when Jesus said, I'm going to the cross 
and y'all are gonna leave me. And Peter said this, he goes, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Wah, 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 right? Matter of fact, the more you read about Peter, you actually begin to realize more of his failures than successes, which means this, you and I are in good company, aren't, you? aren't we, when we follow Jesus? Because oftentimes we are more aware of our failure than we are our successes. And Jesus says, Peter, do you love me more than these? And did you catch that phrase when he asked him the third time and it said that it hurt Peter? Why would it, why would it hurt him when he asked this question, do you love me more than these three times? Anybody with the significance of that? Denied him three times. Jesus knows this. If I start with your failure, you're not going to listen to me. You know where Jesus starts? Jesus starts with breakfast. Peter, I want to let you know that I love you just where you are. Heard a great phrase from a pastor one time. He said, when people mess up, he said, when my kids messed up, this is what I'd always tell them. He goes, that's what you did. That's not you, who you are. He goes, oh, there's going to be consequences for what you did. That's what you did. That's not who you are. And see, in this moment, what, what's happening is this. Jesus is getting into the depths and the sin of Peter's life because he wants to restore him. He wants, and this is when you begin to restore a house, you don't just build on what's there. you got to rip that house down to the studs and build back up from the foundation. And Jesus says, Peter, I want to get into your hurt, not to make you feel bad, but I want to get into your hurt so I can redeem you and I can set you forward because I want you to go and I want you to feed my sheep. Matter of fact, you and I, we want to learn from people who have gone through the fire, don't we? We don't want to learn from people, well, hey, can you tell me about this? Well, I'll tell you about this. Well, have you ever gone through anything? No, but you should listen to me. No thanks, right? I want to find somebody who's gone through what I've gone through. Matter of fact, this is why I love Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6, when it says this. It said, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. We don't need people to suck up to us in our life, do we? We need true friends in our life who love Jesus and will speak the truth to us and say, hey, I love you, but I've got to tell you this. Now, some of you think you have the spiritual gift of crushing other people's emotions, all right? Let me be very aware. What the passage says is this, wounds from a friend. So here's the deal. You can't hurt somebody unless you're their friend first, okay? But here's the deal. In this moment, Peter was hurt by Jesus, not because Jesus was trying to make him feel bad. What he was saying is this, Peter... I want to restore your life back to what I have for you. So when God calls us out on our sin, you need to know this. God's not just calling us out to make us feel bad. God's calling us out so he can make us new. Matter of fact, listen to what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 about this. Because sometimes we have this conviction from Jesus and we don't know what to do with it. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. It says, godly sorrow brings repentance, meaning it, it changes our life. We turn a different way. And that leads to salvation. And it leaves no regret. You and I, we don't want to live a life full of regret. Jesus says, that's right. So let me into your life. But worldly sorrow brings death. Meaning this, when you live the way of the world and things go sideways, there's nothing to save you. Kills relationships, kills what you think about yourself, destroys all sorts of things around you. And God says, no, 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 you come to me and you allow me into this. And this is what he tells Peter, he says, here's why. Here's why I want you to love me, because I want you to feed my sheep. This is where we get this whole idea of table setter. 
Because God is calling every single one of us as broken, imperfect people. He's saying, I want you to go and I want you to set the table for others. I want you to go and I want you to invest your life into others. I want you to go and I want you to tell others about Jesus and help them take their next step. You want to get over it? You're going, man, I'm spiritually stagnant. Or man, Nate, I can't get over the past of what I've done. You want to get over the past? Start following Jesus into the future. And this is what he's calling you and I to do. Go start serving one another so that they can know Jesus. Because here's why, as humble as it sounds to us, I just, and we we say phrases like this, I know God's forgiven me. I just can't what? I just can't forgive myself. And I know that sounds humble. And I know, can can I just be honest? The focus is still on you. I know God's forgiven me. I just can't forgive myself. So your forgiveness matters more than God's? Whoops, we got wounded there, didn't we? That wounds me. Had friends call me out. Nate, you're still talking more about your past than you are about God's future. You may want to tone down your voice and you may want to listen to his voice. See, God is always calling us into the future. When he addresses our sin, it's so we can be healed and lead into the future. And listen what Peter says to him. He gets this great calling. Man, go feed my lamb, go feed my sheep. And listen what Peter says. And Jesus tells him, go follow me in verse 20. It says this, Peter turned and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, talking about John, who was following them. And this was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who's going to betray you? He's talking about John. And he said, Lord, what about him? That's what Peter said. He goes, I know you're calling me into this, but what about him? What about John? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Did you love that question by Jesus? What's it to you? You must follow me. Jesus in this third question is beginning to move Peter into his future. And here's what's holding Peter back is this. Many times this is what holds us back from our future. So we compare our lives to the lives of others. Jesus has a future for you. And all we want to do is compare ourselves to others. Well, what about them? Jesus, I know. What is it to you? You must follow me. I did some study on this. This is what's interesting. Peter lost to John in everything in the Bible. Literally. I began to write this down. At the Last Supper, it was John who got to sit closer to Jesus than Peter. At Jesus' trial, it was John who stayed with Jesus and Peter ran away. At the tomb, when they raced to see the tomb, John outran Peter to the tomb. When they were here on the lake, it was Peter who was the first one to recognize it was Jesus instead of Peter. And then this is what's fascinating. John writes four books in the Bible. Peter gets to write two. Poor Peter just can't beat John at anything. What about him? Jesus says this, not what about him, what about me? You must follow me. And that command he gives to Peter is the one that will unlock his future. Quit looking around to everybody else. Quit comparing yourself to everybody else. Here's what happens. You turn the next page literally One page over here in John 21, you turn to Acts chapter 2, and here's what you find. 
Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, preaches on the day of Pentecost, preaches the first sermon of the church, and 3,000 people got baptized. What if in that moment, Jesus said, you must follow me, and Peter said, no thanks, I'm gonna go fishing. And he walked away. He would have missed out on the Holy Spirit. He would have missed out on 3,000 people being back. Jesus has a better future for you than you have for yourself. I'm telling you, start following him. He's got bigger things in store for us. Our last 50 years has been incredible. Do you believe that he has a better 50 years in store for us? Guys, I'm telling you, Jesus says this, don't compare us to our past. You and I must follow him. Whatever that looks like, wherever that's calling you and I to go. And here's what happens. 30 years later, Peter writes 2 Peter and he sends it to the church. And listen how Peter, you begin to hear about this maturity in the life of Peter because you and I, we don't grow overnight. It is about this ongoing everyday life because when you begin to read Peter, even after this moment, he fails and Jesus raises him back up and he fails and Jesus leads him again. And listen what he writes in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. He, he kind of, he comes to this conclusion. Here he is 30 years later following Jesus for 30 years. And listen what he writes. He says, his divine power, talking about Jesus, has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Do you see how his attention has shifted on Jesus? Man, he has given us Everything, everything. What's happened is this. Peter has started fishing on the right side of the boat. And what he found was this. When he started fishing on the right side of the boat, he's found the work of Jesus in his life. He has given us everything. He's the one who's called us by his own glory and goodness. I don't need to compare my life to anybody else. All I need to do is Jesus, I just need to follow you. Question for you and I today is this. Have we had breakfast with Jesus yet? Have we come to the table and found our future with our Savior, not looking to anybody else, not comparing our life to anybody else, but stepping into what he has for us? See, that's what Commitment Weekend is all about next weekend. All we're doing is this. Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Whatever you have for me, Jesus, I'm going to follow. I'm going to step into what you have. My eyes are on you. I'm not going to ask what about them. Jesus, I'm going to say, what about you? What are you calling me to do? God, how are you calling me to set the table so that others can know you, so that I will be an obedient follower of you? Here's what we want to do today, though. When we talk about setting the table, sometimes it can be such a broad idea that we can lose the personal touch. And here's what we want to do for a moment. Before we talk, you know, next weekend with Commitment Weekend, when you came in, you had a card and a pen on your chair. And in a moment, what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to ask you to write down the name of somebody. I'll just ask you to pray here in a second. That God is putting on your heart to go set the table for. To go invite into this relationship with Jesus. Now here's what's neat, out in the lobby and on the doors when you leave out here, what we had at our vision nights, we did this at our vision nights and we collected over a thousand names that people are praying for. And here's what we're gonna ask you to do today. I'm gonna give you a moment here 
And I just simply want you to write down the name. Maybe there's a family, it might be a neighbor, it might be a coworker, it might be an immediate family member that you're going, God, I am praying that they would come to the table, they would begin to know your grace and find your future. And then here's what we're gonna ask you to do. In a moment, you're gonna write down the name, I'm gonna pray for us, and then this is all I want you to do. I want you to go out there on that table, I want you to drop your card and I want you to pick one up and take that card and pray for it during this next week. Because here's what happens. God's saying it's not just one of us, it's all of us setting the table. It's all of us praying for one another. It's all of us going together. And Jesus says, I have a bigger future for you than you have for yourself. So let's do this right now. Let's just take a moment, begin to pray and write a name or few on here And then I'll pray us and we'll take the cards out there. We'll drop a card and we'll pick a card up. But let's pray right now and write some names on this card and make this personal today.